Hola, mis amigas. ¿Cómo estás? Buenos días. My name is Perse, and I'm back. Um, today's episode is topically and socially relevant. Um, I'm not going to lie and say it's not, but I hope that I have something valuable and informative to bring to the conversation of sexual assaults, um, you know, sexual misconduct, and also hashtag me too. Um, and what I want to talk about for the most part today is how to help someone who has been sexually assaulted or who has gone through sexual assault and you as an ally, a supporter, or a friend, what are your next steps? And there's probably a whole bunch of internet answers on this. There's answers for people who who are the assaultee in the sense where they say, you know, I have been sexually assaulted, what do I do? And you Google it and you find answers. And I'm sure there's a whole bunch of, bunch of answers online about um, my friend has been assaulted or my coworker, what do I do to help them? And I just want to help add another perspective um, because you could never have too many suggestions on different ways to help someone because different people are different. So let's jump right in. I did a very minimal amount of research um, before I recorded this just to make sure that there wasn't any points that I, fe- that I felt like I had my own unique op- opinion on that I would be missing, um, but I didn't do any extensive research and I'm not giving you any advice that has been directly copied and pasted off of someone's website. Because um, again, I know there's so many resources out there for anyone who, any sort of party in these um, unfortunate unfortunate events. So I don't want to pad the conversation and rehash things that have been said before. Um, these are all just kind of like my original thoughts and opinions on major topics that um, that come up uh, when when you talk about cases of sexual assault and sexual harassment and whatnot. And where I wanted to start is that um, I want to categorize people who've experienced this into two categories just to um, make things a little more simpler, a little more simple. One category are people who are pursuant and the other category are people who are non-pursuant. And how I define these two things is a pursuant individual is someone who wishes to pursue their harasser or their assaulter slash attacker and take it up with law enforcement or their job or um take steps further than just you know go to the hospital and get samples taken or whatnot which we're going to talk about later but someone who no matter how long it's been um as long as it's legally financially you know feasible they wish to take that person to task and a non-pursuant individual is someone who is opening up for up to you maybe because they want to or maybe because um, a situation happened and they wanted to explain to you or whatnot. Either way, this person's inter- are, um, they are opening up to you about their experience. Um, it could have just happened and they just need someone to talk to you or it happened a while ago and they just want to tell you for whatever reason, but they have no interest in pursuing the person who did who wronged them um they just want to talk about it get it on the table maybe work it out for themselves and move on with their lives or maybe they don't want to move on but at the end of the day 
their main goal is not telling you in order to get help to pursue the person who attacks them. So um, I want to start with talking about um, pursuant individuals and what you can do to help them um, because there is some specific advice that is geared only towards pursuant individuals that doesn't apply to non-pursuant individuals and then I'm going to get into non-pursuant individuals but I do want you to keep in mind that although my advice for pursuant individuals is specific to them because you can't apply it to someone who's not pursuing it all of my advice for non-pursuant individuals also apply to pursuant individuals because non-pursuant individuals I'm just giving you pretty much just general advice on um helping out a friend who's been assaulted whether or not they have taken or they are planning on taking taking their attacker to task um so that's also something to keep in mind and another thing to keep in mind as well is that um someone people can change their mind a friend that you thought was pursuant at one point in time might decide you know what never mind i'm i'm gonna be non-pursuant i'm gonna move on in different ways and someone who's been non-pursuant and even adamantly non-pursuant might wake wake up one day and say, you know what, it's time. This is something that I need to do. So keep that in mind as well. Um, but that's that's one thing that I wanted to say is that when I speak about the non-pursuant side, I'm really just speaking about anyone who's been through sexual assault, sexual assault or harassment or any other assault that isn't in, like technically sexual that's just assault or harassment or someone attacks you battery whatever um so basically for people who are pursuant and especially if a friend just called you for example a friend or a coworker, or a family member calls you up and they say you know 20 minutes ago this place this time this person maybe they don't know this person either way they call you within the time frame of when whatever happened happened and they're looking for someone to talk to they don't know what to do they they are thinking that they want to take this person to task and they don't know where to go what do you do well my the first thing you should do is make sure this person is safe Um, meet up with this person if you can if you cannot meet up with this person do not go out of your way to connect them with someone else without their permission a big thing here is that autonomy is important and we need to accept everyone's autonomy um and their own wishes but if you can't get to them and they need help talk through to them about you know who they can call if it's not you whether it's a parent another family member another friend another co-worker whether they need to call the police whether they need to call the ambulance but someone that can meet them if you can't Um, especially if they are pursuant, but even if they are non-pursuant, um, one thing you want to do if the attack or the assault is fresh is go to a hospital and get, um, samples done, get a quote unquote, it's called a rape kit and get one of those done. And it's not recommended that you shower, eat, wash. I don't even think you should use the washroom don't really drink anything that's why it should be the first thing that you do just go straight there get the cells taken off um the doctors and nurses do what they do um the an important thing to remember especially for a friend who is not particular particularly pursuant but they've been through um they've just recently been through something when they tell you um is that 
they can get one of these kits done. They can get one of these assessments done. And usually if you go in for a rape kit, you can also get emergency contraceptive, which is really important. Also, depending on where you live, it might be one of the only ways you can get it. Um, and the, the kit doesn't come with the expectation that you file a police report and that you move forward. But the thing is, if you start out as being non-pursuant and you realize, no, this is something that I need to do, the kit is really, really helpful when it comes to collecting evidence um, for multiple reasons. If, you, if your attacker was a stranger and you didn't see them, you, you don't have an identification for them, the DNA that comes out of the kit might help find them if you decide to pursue. If the attacker, which often happens, if the attacker is someone that you know, someone that you're close to, maybe someone that you talk to, and unfortunately, you know, not every claim is weighted the same, especially if it comes out that you knew this person and you were friendly and blah, 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 the kit can give you the edit evidence that you need to take your case from he, he said, she said to here's concrete evidence that some foul play happened somewhere and one of the parties at least were not consenting. So regardless of whether your friend or the person that you know, or even you, is choosing to pursue or not to pursue, the kit is really, really important. Um, just in case, if you're non-pursuant, you change your mind, and if you're pursuant, now you have this evidence, it's just evidence. And the problem is, a lot of these things don't happen on television in broad daylight in the Western world. I can't speak for the entire, um, the entire globe, but especially you know where I am in Canada, people aren't dragging people in the middle of. I was about to say Times Square, but that's in the states. But people aren't dragging people in the middle of a crowded street to assault them. Generally, it's just them or a group of people and the person they're assaulting. And depending on the circumstances, especially with sexual assaults, which has a high rate of people doing it or assaulting people that they know, not necessarily strangers, um, things can get really iffy and really he said, she said really, really quickly. So the evidence is really important. So go to the hospital, get the rape kit done, whether or not you want to file charges, it's really important. Now, if um, regardless of their... Regardless of whether they're pursuant or non-pursuant, this is much more applicable to um, people who have recently been assaulted, but it's also applicable to people who have, who are dealing with long-time assaults, um, and it's uh, they're going through a really rough patch for whatever reason. It's like PTSD kind of symptoms. It's coming back, or it's been you know a couple years and they've been getting by, but they're getting progressively worse. Is provide. The person with resources but don't push and what this means is tell them everything you know tell them every single detail you know about you know the rape sector at the police station and what they do at the hospital and all these great therapists and all these great therapies and all these different things especially if they're receptive to receptive to it be like a personal google if they're not receptive to it shut down because you can make you could be making whatever they're going through worse, but if they're receptive to it, give them as much stuff that they can work with as possible. Write it down so that they can, you know, um, go back to reference it. Send them an email so that they can command F, control F, and like search for specifically what they want. So provide them resources, but don't push them. Um, and that's, that's 
a problem that a lot of people have. And this also goes back to our, my, well, my point, which is also listen. So this is both resources and also listening skills. And people just do this naturally, especially when it comes to people they care about or people they know, is if someone comes to them with a problem, they want to sit down and they want to find a solution to that problem. They want to figure out the problem and they want to make everything better, especially if you know, you're know you a parent or a caregiver or in a role where people expect you to fix things and people expect you to have the answers. And for assault victims, especially sexual assault victims, sometimes the best answer is having no answer at all. And it really frustrates people because especially if the assault's fresh or if the assault isn't fresh or recent, but the person is reacting adversely to the memories for whatever reason, whether it's like quick onset, again, flashbacks or whatnot, or if it's just a long degradation of their executive function and they can't focus anymore and they're getting less and less um, sociable or whatever it may be. Um, Sometimes the best answer is no answer at all, which means sometimes you need to look at your friend and accept that they've been through this thing and that no matter how much you think they should report it or how much you think they should go to therapy or how much you think they should tell their parent that it was their uncle or all these different things, no matter how much you think you know what they need to do to get better, if they don't think that that's what they need to do to get better in the time, they're not going to do it and it's not fair to push them because if they're not ready, they're just going to become more and more anxious and nervous to be around you and to deal with that thought of approaching the situation that way on top of their nervousness or anxiousness, anxiety towards the whole situation as a whole. So like I said, if they're not receptive, cut it off. But if they're completely receptive, give them as many resources as as possible so that if the winds blow in a different direction and their minds change, they have all of that right in front of them. But again, don't try and push them into finding a solution that you think is right. And remember, this is a motto that I learned during my breakdown in my senior year. Um, And it's made me a lot more empathetic, which is something that I'm really not as a person. And what I learned is just the short sentence, it's different when it's you. And what that means is everyone thinks that they know what to do in every single situation in theory. And this is very much applicable to friends who are in not necessarily bad relationships, like abusive relationships, but friends who are in bad relationships in the sense that like, they're not good for each other, they cheat on each other, yell at each other, Um, they're not abusive, but they're just not nice to each other, and they're not going to work it out. And you look at them and you say, like, girl, don't date him or her. Date another dude or another girl. Find someone else, you know, find someone better. But they keep going back to their ex. And you look at them and you think, you know, I'd never be that. I'd never do that. All these kinds of things. Um, I had that thought in my head because the, the motto came to me, the sentence came to me in high school. And that's kind of the biggest drama in high school is like people going back to their exes when they're really not suited to each other, but they're young, so whatever. Um, and I quickly learned that every situation is different when it's you. You can look at it on the outside and say, you know, I'd never put up with that. I'd never do that. I'd never go back to that. And then a couple months later, a year later, you're in that situation and you're fighting for something or you think you can make something work that 
if it was your friend or if you were looking at it from the outside, you would say, just drop it, just move on, like leave it, move on. But because it's you, you now think that you're different, your situation's different. So everything's different when it's you. Even if you've been through an assault and you can guarantee like, no, I took these actions and this is what works for me. Even if it worked for you and you made the right choices for yourself, that's great for you but that might not be great for whoever's coming to you with help. So keep that in mind when you're trying to find a solution and fix a situation that honestly short of a time machine and the men in black like memory eraser thing to just basically prevent it from happening at all, there is no solution to. It happened and there's no right answer for the person who had been assaulted to take the next steps. The right answer is them doing whatever feels right to them at the moment until they feel normal again, if they ever feel normal again. And that's the sad truth. Um, and the other part of my listen point is also learn to listen. And learning to listen is kind of like learning to read. Um, And you hear it a lot when you go into university or like institutions of higher education where you walk in and especially if you go in with higher grades and people look at you and they say, you know, you got 80s in high school, like you think you know how to study, you think you know how to read, well, you don't know how to read and everyone looks around and they're like, I know how to read, like, of course. And then you get 800 pages of readings across your five courses to read in a couple of days and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to read. I can't get all this done. It's similar to that with learning how to listen. A lot of people don't know how to learn and don't know how to listen. They know how to process information. And Christian Rivera, who's also on Anchor, he was going through his own stuff, which I'm not going to point out. But what I am going to say is that he has some great points and a great podcast on listening and learning how to support friends the right way and trying times, just general grieving trying times. So if you want to check him out, C-Note, Christian Rivera, Rival My Design, you can check out his podcast as well. I don't remember what it's called, but he had a good um, dialogue about just learning to listen. So a lot of people know how to intake information, process, process that information, analyze the information, put it through their own filter, which is even worse, and then regurgitate it with solutions. This is back to also the fixed point. So, you know, sometimes you hear... I was walking down this street and this happened to me and people automatically go and think, you know, what are the ways to fix this? Don't walk down this street, walk down this street with a friend, walk down this street at 2 p.m., you know, drive down the street instead of walk down the street, take transit. Whenever you say something to someone, they're processing it and analyzing it. And a lot of people don't realize they do it, but then when they open their mouths, it's not with support, it's not with condolences, it's not with silence if that's what's needed it's with again solutions or interpretations or the words if i were you i would well you're not that person so they're not going to do what you suggest or they might do what you suggest but um know that what you're suggesting what you're suggesting also again back to the fixing thing don't feel bad if someone isn't taking your advice because when you say the words if i were you i would You are really giving them the best advice that you could come up with for yourself and not necessarily the best advice for them. 
So they could take it and they could work, it could work, but they could hear it and automatically know, you know, that's not a path I want to take. And that doesn't mean your, your advice is any less valid or it's bad. It just means that your advice is the best advice for you and you're, you're giving it to someone who's not you and you're the expert in you and your reactions and you're not the expert in them. And they think that your analysis of how they would react in this situation is not actually how they want to act in that situation. Um, and that's good. And you should be happy that they have the strength to to analyze as well themselves suggestions that they're being given and doing things that are best for them and they have the ability to say no or no thanks. Instead of just taking everything at face value and getting themselves in a bigger mess than what they were in in the first place. Um, so listening. What is listening? Listening is just sitting there and allowing the gravity and the reality of the words that are being said settle in your mind, settle within you. It's not listening to the first couple words until you've constructed your own view of what happened and then now you're racing to find answers and solutions and to, you know, fix it all or to put it all in like a nice little category, you know, who was where and what time and what was the air quality like. No, listening is just sitting and being in the moment with someone and accepting their story for what it is. There's no should haves, would haves, could haves. If you had done, you could have done. We could go on and do this. Listening is just, this is it. This is what was. This is what happened. This is where we are now. And thank you for listening to my story. And once they're done, you can ask them, you know, are you okay? Do you want to pursue this? Do you not want to pursue this? You can even ask, you know, why did you why did you tell me this you can ask them that you can say you know not necessarily like don't make it it, everyone understands tone don't rebut with like oh i didn't need to know that why did you tell me this even if you you don't think you deserve to hear it or you didn't want to hear it just say thanks and move on but it's it's honestly very valid to ask you know we've been friends for this long or we haven't been friends for that long you know what sparked this or you know why why me like why did you think i'm a, i'm a good enough friend to to tell this to and start that conversation of you know do you want to pursue this do you not and was this a while ago was this yesterday is what's what's the next step and if the next step is you know they're asking you i want to figure it out help me figure it out i want to pursue this then you go forward if their next step is you know this happened to me 10 15 years ago 5 years ago when i was a kid even this happened to me a week ago, a couple months ago, within the year, I don't want to pursue it, or I did try and pursue it, and I just, I dropped it, or whatever their answer is, and I just wanted you to know because of X reason, then that's, that it is what it is. I mean, you can ask questions depending on um, your relation to the person and kind of the vibe. Things like this is very much reading vibes, which is very hard for people because, again, we all interpret things differently. Awkwardness, silence, happiness, generosity, all these things are interpreted differently, but certain questions are okay. And getting into questions, um, I'm going to talk about the questions that aren't okay, and then I'm going to try and talk about the questions that I think are okay after I have a sip of water uh, because my throat's getting dry. All right, <clears throat> it's it's hard because this isn't video. So when I pause to like take some water or clear my throat, I don't edit much, but you guys can't see what I'm doing. So it sounds like it, it gets dropped off. Anyway, 
Um, I'm going to tell you guys questions that aren't okay, which everyone hears. But I'm going to try and also come up with a framework for questions that are okay. And I've just, I have a list of notes here that I want to touch. Um, And this is just something that came to my mind. So I don't have the questions pre-made. So this might be a little difficult um, because everyone's different. And don't take my list of questions if I can come up with one as a catch-all. Because again, everyone's different. Use them with your own discretion. But um, questions that you don't ask. How much were you drinking? Although sometimes that might be relevant. What were you wearing is never a question you should ask. Where were you walking is not a question you should ask. Again, these are all questions with asterisks, but if it's from a place of judgment, or again, if it's from a place where you're trying to make sense of a situation, this is what human beings like to do. We don't like when things don't make sense. We don't like when things happen, especially bad things, when bad things happen out of the blue and we can't figure out where it came from or what the motive was or what the reason was to spur this sort of action. So we want to blame people. We want to rationalize for the attacker or the perpetrator. And sometimes you can't. And sometimes if we try too hard to rationalize, we end up putting the blame on the victim because it, it's too uncomfortable. It's, it's too uncomfortable for us to sit with the fact that some people just do terrible, heinous things because they just did because they're terrible, heinous people, because for a split second, they thought that this would be a good idea or a lucrative idea or a pleasurable outcome for them. And it's really hard to think like that because then you live in a world where these things happen. So we need to have explanations for everything. But then you, if you can't explain away the behavior on the perpetrator side, the attacker side, you turn to the attackee and that's where you say, what did you say to him? How much were you drinking? What were you wearing? Did you laugh three times? Maybe he thought you were flirting. And that means that he can do blah, blah, blah. You know, that's where people go. And that's where I think those questions come from. Either those questions come from a need to categorize and explain away the world. Or those questions come as a response because someone is trying to use their experience to change legislation or do something different that isn't beneficial to you. So you're trying to discredit them by asking questions that aren't really relevant to the situation and are actually hurtful to a victim's recovery. So I think it's like those kind of two things. So again, what makeup were you wearing? What clothes were you wearing? Where were you walking down? How cold was it that day? Um, What did you say to him? How much did you have to drink? Was he someone close? Was it your boyfriend? Your relation to someone doesn't... I mean, statistically, it changes the odds depending on your age and who the person is and just by trends. But what I mean is, like, if you're best friends with someone of 12 years, that doesn't mean that they're 100% not going to assault you. So if you tell a friend you're assaulted and they ask who and you say you're best friend of 12 years and they say, oh, but you guys are best friends okay, that that just means you were close friends at a point. That doesn't mean that they can't do anything to hurt you. But a lot of people use that as an excuse. You know, oh, they were your boyfriend. They were your girlfriend. They were your coach. Like, they would never do that. And you think, why? They're people at the end of the day. Everyone can do anything. Um, but my asterisk here is that I think one of the only time, if the only time, that these these questions are relevant is if the person is coming to you regardless of whether they're pursuant or non-pursuant but they're coming you coming to you to say this happened to me i know this happened to me but 
you know, either, you know, we were both at that party last night and it's kind of hazy or, you know, I, I blacked it out or the memory's fuzzy. Either way, like something happened where they can't remember all of it, but they know it happened and they want your help to try and piece it together. That is when you can ask these questions because you're not asking it from a place of judgment. You're not asking it from a place of trying to justify what happened. You're asking it from a place of like an investigative place to try and help this person figure out what happened. So if they're like, sit down with me and try and try and help me figure out what happened between me and insert name here at the party last night, or you know, remember when I woke up in the snow and I was almost hypothermic and I came to your house, I think this happened to me, I don't know what to do, help me figure it out. That's when you sit down and you say, you know, what was the weather outside? How much did you have to drink? What did you say to this person? Do you know this person? Do you not know this person? What were you wearing? Not to try and justify, but like maybe that will help us get clues. Where were you walking? Like, obviously, things are a little different if you were in Shanghai and it happened, or like New Yorker and it happened, compared to like if it was in your backyard. Those are just completely different things. So, you ask those kinds of pro- probing and sometimes accusatory questions when you're in a situation where you're not asking them to accuse your friend. Or the person who came to you, you're asking because you're trying to help the person who came to you make sense of what the heck happened to them. Um, Some questions that you can ask that I think are super okay to ask, that I think should be asked. Are you okay? Do you want to pursue this? Do you want to talk to someone else? Do you want me to help you get in contact with someone else? Do you want me to walk with you to the police station or to the hospital or to your parents house or to tell your significant other or do you want to tell my parents you know do you want to go bowling do you want to go break glass bottles um how do you feel physically how do you feel mentally do you think you can concentrate on things do you think you're doing okay do you think you're not doing okay ask questions you know about them um yeah i don't know if asking questions and rehashing the assault again is really helpful to anyone in that situation unless again they're asking you literally to um to help them piece together what happened um so yes probing questions and also just remember that it's not their fault um i tried to divide this and pursue into not pursue it but this has just become an amalgamation of what to do um, with someone who's gone through sexual assault in general. So basically, just so basically from the beginning to now and from here on out to the end, all this advice is applicable to someone who's pursuing their attacker and someone who isn't pursuing their attacker. Um, the distinction is literally just whether they're pursuing or not. I think another big thing I talked about what to do if someone tells you they've just recently been attacked, which is applicable for both. Um, resources. Oh, again, sitting down and making a plan. Again, sit down and analyze things and become the inquisitive, detective human being that you are whenever you're asked for help. So that comes with asking those kinds of probing questions when they ask you to help to piece together the night, not when you are trying to justify what happened to make yourself feel better because you're just going to make the victim feel worse. Same thing with resources. I did say to provide resources if it's welcome, but don't push. That also has an asterisk. Don't push someone 
and this is for a pursuant person. This is specific to a pursuant, pursuant person. Don't push anyone. Don't say no. You have to do therapy first and then go to the hospital last and then go to the police. Like, no. Although you should really go to the hospital first if it's recent um, in any case so that you can get those, those kids done, um, get that evidence collected. But if the person is pursuant and you know they're pursuant and you need to go the step before, the step after providing resources and they ask you, you know, help me figure out what to do next, that's when you don't necessarily push, but you do help structure. So you sit down and you say, well, we already went to the hospital. You called me two days ago and that's what we did. We have that out of the way. We can, you know, you can get into therapy, try and work it out. Um, we can go to the police station, file a report if that's what you want to do. We can contact a lawyer, see what their opinions are first before you even talk to the police because these cases are handled differently depending on who the aggressor and the aggressee is. And, you know, it could have been your significant other, which makes things a lot more hairy compared to if it was just a random stranger who you never met, a, met before dragging you into an abandoned building and whatever. So if the person coming to you says, I want to pursue this, but I don't know where to start. Help me figure out where to start. That's when you provide resources and you also, you don't push, but you help structure. You help structure which resources you're going to pursue in what order and within those resources, who is the best person to go to? Do you want to, do you want to make sure you speak to a woman detective? Do you think a male detective would be better? Same thing with the lawyer. Um, Ooh, going back to the probing questions and the not their fault questions are really, really big thing, which I also wrote down. Anyone can be assaulted by anyone. So a man can be assaulted, like, again, this is very general, but a man can be sexually assaulted by a woman. A woman can be sexually assaulted by a man. That's usually where we get most of our statistics is from, you know, women being assaulted by men, but it can be the reverse. Um, people who do not identify within the gender binary or somewhere in the middle of the gender binary can assault other people and can be assaulted and their orientation, gender, or sexuality does not cheapen their humanity or autonomy or their right to a sense of autonomy if they're assaulted. So if someone you know that's non-binary comes up to you and says, I'm assaulted, them being non-binary is not an excuse for them to be assaulted, so don't act like that. Um, don't tell your male person who is confiding in you to man up because they were assaulted by a woman and they should just enjoy it because that's not fair. No one should have their personal space violated. And also acknowledge too, don't treat people with kid gloves, but acknowledge that people who are more stigmatized and less encouraged to come out in these situations are being everyone's strong coming out in these situations and talking about these situations but are taking not necessarily more of a risk but they're probably much much more scared to confide in you um and that that should also be taken into account and that should be um oh that should be valued you know you should you should realize that as well. Be supportive, not overbearing. So again, um, actually, no, I didn't make this point. So especially if you're if the person who's coming to you is non-pursuant, and they come to you, and especially if they're non-pursuant and it's recent, but this applies to everyone, of course. But this applies especially for people who are non-pursuant and who have had a recent assault, sexual assault, and they come to you and they say, you know, I've been assaulted. This will happen. Whatever, whatever. They don't even tell you what happened. 
and then they say, but I don't want to pursue this, or I don't want to go forth, or I don't even want to go to the hospital for a kid. I just want to move on with my life. Um, don't text them every five seconds and call them every day and show up at their house every day and say, you know, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? Unless you honestly think like that's no, even if you think that's that's what they need. If they don't ask for that and that's not what they say they need, don't do that. Um, of course, if it's your existing friendship or your existing relationship to talk every day all the time also don't like pull away and become a completely different person just be the same person but you know if you're usually texting each other five times in a minute about your lives just make sure those texts don't turn into a hundred percent like are you doing fine are you sure you don't want to go to the police are you sure you know like check in once a week check in every once in a while check in if you think that they're not doing okay but you don't need to become like a second version of them the monkey on their shoulder trying to like push them to do something being overbearing um let them live their lives especially if they're an adult this is a little different for children and i'm gonna i'm gonna also have a little caveat about children at the end um but but up until i talk about like the children part um assume that that your relationship and the to the person like you're both adults and you're both in an adult relationship where you're in like an equal relationship like a 16 year old talking to a 16 year old per se like one of you doesn't have the duty to protect the other person um and in that case you know you gotta you need to accept that like they're an adult and they can make decisions for themselves and you're just a friend or a significant other or even a parent if you're a parent but they're an adult you gotta gotta let them live their lives how they want to even if you don't agree which goes for everything but especially with assault because they they're trying to figure it out themselves they lived through it got to give them that time um give time would be a good segue but it's too early for that point that i have anyone can be assaulted by anyone rent to get i'll do that after respect other no i'll do that after what to do immediately after the assault, I already told you. Pretty much my biggest answer is just get to the hospital, get that kit done if the assault's been re- recent, um, have them stored somewhere, and then you can make, and then like literally get it done right after it happens, then you can shower, you know, take some time to regroup and then make decisions later. But if that, if that evidence is collected, you, you have a better case. You and the person that you're helping, or you yourself, depending, you know, this is applicable to anyone again, um, you'll have a better case. Um, talk to them honestly and continuously, which comes off of that don't be overbearing point. Um, sometimes when people tell us things that they've been through, especially if it's recent, whether it's, you know, domestic abuse or assault, even if it's not just sexual assault, you know, robbery, whatever, whatever, we see them differently. And there's also, you know, that, that also like gender perception as well, especially if it's like a woman and a smaller, weak woman, meek not weak, but meeker, you know, bird, kind of bird bone kind of woman. Um, Don't try not to look at your friends differently. Try not to change your relationship. Don't treat them with kid gloves or act like they're now a thousand year old relic from like ancient times. And if you handle it wrong, they're going to break. Sometimes what helps people feel more normal is if they especially if they're reaching out to you and they're saying you know like you want to hang out maybe or like you want to go to the movies we had that movie plan and they are making a point to like get back on track with their lives 
help them get back on track by making them feel like they were never off track in the first place. One of the worst things, you know, happens to people who've been diagnosed with cancer, who who come out of radiation, or who are newly disabled, or, you know, are injured, or, you know, all kinds of things that change the way the person kind of lived in the past. The people around them don't know how to treat them and don't know if they should change or if they should, how they should change. And the person in question ends up feeling like, like, you know, they're different or people are treating them different or their world is completely different. Um, but yeah, the, sometimes the best time, the best way to help people get back on track is to make them feel as though their lives were never off track in the first place. So hang out like you usually would hang out. Don't stifle that, that, cool joke about their fear of clowns because you're afraid that now they're afraid of the whole world you know don't not push them to get on that roller coaster if that's what you would have done anyway because that's probably what they're expecting you to do because you're that kind of person um keep your friendship you know don't feel bad about stealing three quarters of the popcorn if that's what you usually do and you don't feel bad about it (laughs) um treat the people in your life as you treated them previous to whatever happened to them so that they feel like their whole life didn't shift um i think that's a really good point and i think that's really helpful all right respect how your friend grieves and this is a really big topic and i think it it can boil down to um hypersexuality versus being sexually repulsed especially for people who um who've experienced sexual assault a lot of people begin to lose sympathy for friends or people in their lives who become hypersexual after sexual assault or who were hypersexual before their assault and then they're assaulted and then you know people look at them and they say well you're doing it all the time so whatever like no that's not okay same thing if your friend was like you know moderate to whatever they had like a pretty healthy sex life and then it's been like 10 years and they're like i don't want anyone to touch me ever again except that don't push them to get on okay cupid or eHarmony or you know it's been five years you gotta find someone i'm a big proponent of like don't force relationships on people in the first place um but especially like if someone's grieving something give them time um If someone's quitting their jobs and they decide, you know, I want to become a tomato farmer because life's short, because I was almost murdered, um, maybe don't quit your job and risk all of your money to become a potato farmer with them or tomato. I don't know if I said potato or tomato, but also, you know, support them. Um, again, this also goes back to talk to them honestly. If you think their idea is a terrible idea, tell them it's a terrible idea. But tell them it's a terrible idea if you, honest to God, think that it's terrible and not because you think that it could be a good idea if it wasn't them, but you know them better than they know themselves and you know that they wouldn't be doing this had they not been assaulted. You know what? People do things for all kinds of reasons. They might have started a tomato farm if they walked past a small boy off of a farm a couple miles away talking about his tomatoes. Like People have different reasons for why they could be inclined to start or stop doing something so don't think that someone starting or stopping doing something because they had a very unfortunate occurrence happen to them or an assault happen to them 
means that like they never would have taken up that activity ever in their life. And if you honestly think it's a good idea, support them. If you honest to God think it's a bad idea because it's just genuinely a bad idea, don't become a yes man because again, you think that they're a fragile human who can't take rejection. Tell them the truth, but tell them the honest to God truth because you think that they're honestly making a poor decision and not because you think that they're making a poor decision as someone who has been assaulted. Because now you're attaching the label with everything that they're doing. They're doing it as someone who's been assaulted and not as as their friend. It's not, oh, James is making tea. James, as someone who's been assaulted, is making tea. And that's not how you need to look at them. You need to look at them as the person they were before. Whatever happened to them happened. Um, So respect how they grieve, whether they stop doing things, start doing things, whether they make drastic life changes or, you know make no life changes at all and you think you know this is ridiculous how are you still going to walk down the street when this happened to you and they're like well it's the best way to get to work then that's that's how they want to live their lives as long as they're not making rash decisions that you know that's going to ruin their lives and you would think it would ruin their lives regardless of the assault like if they come up to you and they're like i'm gonna cash out my savings and buy a clown farm and start a school for clowns um, and also become like the next Gordon Ramsay. Maybe you should look at them and say, you know, I think you're having a crisis, um, and I'm here to help you. But if they just say, you know what, I'm going to quit my job and do something that I enjoy because life's short and I've lived through this thing, support them because they could have chosen to do that even without the assault. Their boss could have been particularly mean one day and they could have made that decision themselves. Um, so acknowledge when you think your friend's ruining their lives because they're just genuinely ruining their lives. Um, and when you think they're ruining their lives just because they're someone who is, who has been assaulted at some point in time. Now, talk to them honestly, respect how your friend grieves, respect what they do, um, respect their autonomy and their wishes. Again, this comes back to like, don't push If you think that they would do great in therapy, don't go to their parents and say, this is your kid's business and I think they should be in therapy. Don't go. You can't file a police report for someone else for a good reason. Don't go to the police and force them to file a police report or try to file one for themselves. Don't out them to other friends. Don't try and like stage an intervention, especially if they're doing fine and you just don't agree with the way they're coping, but they're coping fine. They're moving on with their lives. Don't expand the circle if they don't expand the circle. If they didn't decide to tell Sally, you don't tell Sally. If they didn't decide to tell Jimmy, you don't tell Jimmy. And this is pretty much good practice for just like any friend at all in your life, regardless of assault. Like if someone tells you something, they told you for a reason, don't tell other other people. Um, But respect authorities, respect their wishes, respect their autonomy, um, respect what it is that they want to do with their story and their subs. They've already been violated. They've already had their free will and their autonomy taken away by someone who assaulted them. Don't now make it worse by you perpetuating that through words, you know? Um, However, you need to know when to get the authorities or other people involved. And pretty much a very steadfast rule is if this person is at risk of harming themselves or others, that's when you need to make the mature decision to call someone um usually the police if okay i was gonna say if the situation isn't bad enough to call the police 
you shouldn't be telling other people. That's not true because things are, are very different. However, especially if you're someone who holds confidentiality and like friendship really high and you don't talk about people's business and you're starting to, you know, wonder, is this girl, girl, guy, dude, whatever, if this person is okay, don't hold it in and refrain from calling the police or someone that needs to be called because you're afraid of making a scene and then have the situation get worse where they harm themselves or others compared to if it's a false alarm and you call because you genuinely think something bad could happen. And especially if the person's more public about their business or if they're getting to a point where they have to be public about their business because they're they are seeming like they're gonna hurt themselves or others, when the people that you call and the families residually like find out what happened, um, that you called, when they also find out like why you called because the person's been assaulted, you you're not gonna get in trouble because it's it makes sense, you know, this person went through this and now they're acting off kilter and I don't know if they're gonna harm themselves or other other people you're not going to be um punished for taking the right steps to saving a life um so yes respect their autonomy but if you think they're going to hurt someone someone or themselves and someone could be an animal you know someone could be something that relates to someone largely or could residually kill someone else like if they say you know like i'm gonna burn down someone's house don't think like oh well they didn't say they're gonna directly murder someone so i'm not gonna call the police like no first of all houses are expensive and it's a part of like livelihood like you should call the police and also someone could be in the house so they could die so those kinds of situations or if the person is like i'm gonna drive 140 miles per hour while getting drunk all the time or like i'm gonna overdose on um hard drugs or recreational drugs and you honestly think this isn't the way that they are you know they were straight narrow straight a students never touched a drug in their life and then this assault or something else happened to them and now they're on a downward spiral you might want to be preemptive preemptive and get someone involved before it gets too bad but if they're just kind of like i don't want to tell anyone i only told you i'm just i'm not gonna pursue it i'm gonna you know figure it out myself and like maybe they get into therapy maybe they don't and they just go through their job go through their life don't spread their business have common sense be smart you know know when to bring someone in and when to not and if it gets to the point where you need to break their trust to bring someone in generally you're going straight to the authorities and you're not going to like sally your mutual best friend like that's no if the situation is light enough that you can just go tell another random person then you shouldn't be telling anyone at all um so hopefully that's reasonable i think that's reasonable so now we're going on to respecting how your friends grieve no one to get involved this is where i bring up children knowing when to get involved if a child comes to you where they are not an adult and they're not under someone else's care or they're under sorry they're under someone else's care and they're not an adult especially the younger they are the more important this is and they say this person did xyz to me and it is illegal call someone immediately (laughs) do not respect their autonomy um call someone right now um again where i would say be conscious is is calling the family members in the best decision is calling their parents the best decision if they say you know my dad has been doing this or my uncle has been doing this for the past year and i told my parents 
and they're figuring it out within the, or they talk to grandma all the time and I get sent to grandma's instead of uncles instead of my aunts now but sometimes my uncle comes over and like it sounds really messy and it sounds like they're trying to figure it out without punishing the actual perpetrator but while it's happening the child is suffering maybe call the police right away and don't try and work it out with the parents because a it could be worse for the child and b you not calling the right authorities can give the parents or other people in the family an opportunity to hide it better or to change the way that they're doing things so that it's less noticeable the next time um so that's the situation where i'd say like maybe don't call the parents first um but for the most part if like a child comes to you and they're like this is what happened to me and they are not your child i would tell the people who are directly in charge of them but if you are a person directly in charge of this child no matter what they say i don't want to go to the police i don't want to go to the police get someone involved um that is not you for two reasons a if you don't do that you can have that child taken away from you which isn't the reason why you should you shouldn't be a good nurturing person because if you don't you're gonna have that kid taken away that's not a good way to be a parent but something to think of um and on the other hand you know you also don't want your kid to be taken away from you so um yeah children and also remember that gray areas for adults are 100% not gray areas for children so you know how like for adults for example people talk about the the logistics and semantics of like well what if you were flirting what if like you know you led him on and then or you led her on or you led them on and they came over and then they thought this but you did this and then it just kind of happened that's how kind of people talk about sexual assault especially um but other like assaults when between adults like what was the situation what were the parameters when it comes to a child none of those things apply especially if the perpetrator is mature and much older than the child and the the perpetrator knows what he's doing even if the kid's like 14 they're not fully developed they are not as mature as say a 25 year old man and even more especially if the kid's like under 10 and they they have no reasonable expectations to know right or wrong because they're still learning there's no gray area it's either the kid was assaulted or they weren't either things happened between the kid and the person whatever happened were appropriate in the sense that they were just being a good adult figure like playing barbies and like making lunch and like hanging out or they were inappropriate and they took advantage of a child there is no really no gray area um if it happened there's no gray area between like but what if the five-year-old said something like no no that's ridiculous so um that's my little spiel on children they have no autonomy in the sense that like if they come to you and they say something happened you gotta pursue it especially because when it comes to children it's usually the people closest to them that assault them and hurt them and not like again a random person kidnapping them off the streets if it's a random person kidnapping them off the streets everyone would know if it's the kids coming to you and they're like so this has been happening for the past couple months it's probably someone in the family or someone close to them and you need to get them out of that situation um so another point that i want to say is be supportive even before you know and you're gonna say purse how am i gonna be supportive of a friend of sexual assault a either before they're even assaulted or b before i know that they're assaulted well you cannot be a terrible person um which is easier said than done i'm learning don't make 
rape jokes and assault jokes. Um, it's really not that difficult. I don't think I've made one at all. At least within the past two years, because I honestly can't remember like any fine details of my life past that. Like, there's no time in recent history or even quite farther out history that I've looked at a friend and said, you know what's really funny? Assault. Um, so you can do that too. Um, don't make jokes that insinuate a certain gender or someone of a certain sexual orientation cannot be assaulted or are weak if they're assaulted. So if you're in a friend of dudes, because this is a prevailing stereotype among men, and you're talking about like, I don't know, there's there's been a string of a cases coming out where like female teachers are preying on like middle school boys or whatever and you're someone who's like oh they should enjoy it if my teacher did that to me like blah 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 like it's not actually so like don't do that because you could have a friend in the group that's trying to like bring up his courage to come out to you guys and say you know this girl did this to me but now they feel even less sure because you're making jokes about how someone's less of a man if they don't enjoy being forced into physical actions and they don't enjoy losing their autonomy because it's a girl and it's it's touching whatever um so don't make rape jokes don't make assumptions about who can assault people and whether people are weak or not for staying in situations or not staying in situations or whatever um don't make passing comments about how your intoxication levels or how you dress or your age um can increase or decrease your chances of assault because that can also other people i've heard so many people disgusting sickening people talk about prepubescent girls or girls in the beginning of puberty or even late high school so like i would say 12 to like 17 but even now like 10 to 17 people talk about like oh i mean like i guess she was a child but she was too mature for her age she was too fast for her age she knew what she was doing like no you're talking about an 11 year old i don't care how much an 11 year old says that like she's mature and she's someone new and she's different no person no person even like 15 16 or over should be messing around with an 11 year old never mind someone like in their 20s or like 18 19 like no adult should look at a child in middle school or high school and think oh well they're mature so it's okay it's not okay and you shouldn't be making excuses because much like the five-year-old who doesn't know exactly how they fit in the world like how five-year-olds don't share and they hit each other because they're learning how to how to be a human being in the world a lot of prepubescent and pubescent girls and boys are hypersexual in their teens because they're learning what sexuality means in the world because it's actually a novel concept because most parents shield their kids from sex and those kinds of things until they hit puberty or get around that age and now it's like this whole new thing they need to figure out and like am i attractive am i not attractive is you know so no that's not an excuse because they're still learning um yeah um And also, this is weird because I'm, like, talking to predators, but, like, if you have behaviors that are, like, iffy and you just kind of, like, laugh it off, you know, it's like, oh, well, just touched your boob, it's okay, it's not okay, and you need to check yourself. Also, if you have friends like that, I mean, I'm not advocating for, like, popping off and, like, preaching, but, like, I'm advocating for popping off and preaching. So if your friends think it's funny to, like, harass people, 
I think that it's a good idea to first of all tell them that they're gross and tell them why they're wrong and then promptly stop being friends with them. A, because if they do something stupid in a group, you can be implicated as well because they're your friends and also B, you don't want to be around trash. Um, So yeah, be supportive just by being conscious of what you say and how your biases come out in everyday conversation. Um, and work also to be better informed that way if someone ever does come to you you are not responding to them with outdated and incorrect stereotypes about what makes someone more or less susceptible to being attacked here's a fun fact nothing makes anyone more or less susceptible from being attacked again I'm exaggerating of course you need to be like a, you need to be like a child to be attacked by a pedophile like whatever like okay like yeah there's statistics there's categories don't at me but my whole point is like whether you're tall short orientation sexual orientation um race gender anyone can really be attacked by anyone at any point in time who has adverse you know has an adverse ulterior motive so don't leave people to believe that their experiences aren't valid because they're not woman enough they're not tall enough or they're I mean, I don't want to say not young enough, but there are classes of criminals that are age-based. But yeah, you're or you're you're too old. I haven't really heard this ever. But like, don't go up to a grandma. Like, oh, no one would want you. So like, why would anyone? Why are you saying you'd be assaulted? Like, no, anyone can be assaulted at any time. Anyone can be taken advantage of at any time. Especially children. Protect children. Stop protecting perpetrators over children. I will fight people over this. Um. And lastly, I thought this would be like a half hour episode and it's gone real long. So I need to wrap it up soon because I have 20 minutes left. I'm not going to take 20 minutes. Don't worry. I just have 20 minutes left in general. Take care of yourself. Um, first of all, this comes, so take care of yourself. But my first point is give your friend or whoever's coming to you time. And this comes back to um, respect how the person who's come to you is grieving and what they decide to do. Now, again, um, if they're doing like cocaine and meth every day, maybe call a rehab center. However, if they're like, they become more hypersexual and you guys were, you know, like a Bible study group, it's it can be really difficult, especially people who have really strong senses of their quote-unquote purity and their body and their virginity assuming that that's something that they're keeping sacred or to themselves for whatever reason and then they're assaulted in this very physical very violating way and you guys are like a bible study group or whatever and they're going out clubbing and having all kinds of premarital sex be patient with them you know um i'm not saying you and your bible group need to now convert sundays to like club fridays and you guys need to go out with that person but also when that person decides to come around don't shun them for their altered lifestyle choices this comes back to like don't blame the person or be less accepting of the person when they start stopping or starting what they're doing um again if you guys are like a rock climbing collective and that's the only reason why you're friends or you're, you have a relationship with this person and then, and then they stop rock climbing. Like, you don't need to go to book club with them. Um, that's just kind of like a natural fading out of a relationship. But if they still come around, um, don't, don't treat them weird, which I already covered. But also, if they haven't denounced 
rock climbing or they haven't denounced video games or whatever activity you guys do together but they they haven't been coming around because they're trying to figure out like what it is that they need for themselves also you know give them time give them time to figure it out um for example back on video games you know someone who's been assaulted might not want to play games violent games like grand theft auto anymore or call of duty anymore because they're violent in nature and maybe they don't want to see those images and that's fine um if that's literally all you do like it's like tomboy tuesdays grand theft auto and call of duty that's all we play like maybe they need to find another group but if you guys are just like a group of five people playing video games especially if this person is like playing around with like coming around sometimes staying home sometimes because they're going through ups and downs have games prepared that work with them and what they want and then if they're not around go play your violent gun games um but if they are around you know have games that are fun for even them don't ostracize them and this also comes up with the um talk to them honestly and continuously as you would even before this happened if they're still coming around but they're cramping your style because all you guys want to play are like shooters and grand theft and they say no it's too violent it's too much i can't have a conversation sit them down and say hey can we maybe do something every other week so that we can play the games that we want without making you feel weird or you know, if you go to therapy every other week, can we change the day to the weeks that you go on or the days that you go to therapy so that one week, you know, you come here and then the other week you're doing something and whatever. Or say, you know, for the first hour we're going to play these games then you can come an hour in or a half hour in and we'll turn it off. Work with them. Don't plan behind their back and say, oh, let's make a separate video game day on Sunday that they don't know about. Like, be honest and open. The last thing you want to do is shut them out when they're adults capable of processing information themselves you just need to tell them how you're feeling um (laughs) so give them time whether it's because they're becoming too overbearing be honest and tell them you know i'm here to support you but i also like i need to get my work done or like i need i need time so can we just cool it or if they're pulling back don't feel bad and don't let the friendship fizzle out you know fill your time with other things go do things that you like doing on your own with your other friends but always be open when this friend calls you because it's not like they're being rude by not calling you it's not like they don't like you anymore they're just dealing with a lot of stuff um furthermore if they have similar interests as you was still like you guys shared but the genres specifically like if you guys always like reading horror books or watching horror movies or again video games but they they still like movies but they have to only do comedies work with them try and work with them but also acknowledge that like if they honestly just their their likes don't match yours anymore again if you are if you are a taxidermist for insects that only grow in northwestern Africa and that's that's the niche that you guys filled and then they're like, I can't stuff dead animals anymore. You guys might not have anything else in common and that's fine and that's just a natural fading out of a relationship that would have fade out, faded out regardless of the assault if they just one day woke up and decided they couldn't stuff dead animals anymore. So don't feel guilty, but also acknowledge when that friendship or that relationship is naturally dissipating or if you know it's kind of being pushed to that because someone's not being accommodative same thing with jobs a lot of people tend to be like very supportive for as long as they think they should be or as long as it's convenient for them they say you know i will be supportive 
for you until you're ready or, you know, take all the time you need. And then it's a week and a half later and the work's piling up in the office and everyone's backed up because you lost someone on your team and now you're calling them like, when are you going to come back in? Meanwhile, they're dealing with like an earthquake of stuff. So again, be supportive and give people time. Um, but remove yourself. Take, take care of yourself as well. Remove yourself if you need to. And I kind of covered this when I said, you know, if they become hyper fixated on you and they're calling you and talking to you all the time, don't feel bad about saying, you know, like, I'm here for you, but I can't be the only one here for you. So maybe get a bunch of, a couple other people on your team because I also have my own things to deal with. Don't feel bad saying that. If, um, don't put up with abuse, don't think that I'm advocating for abuse, but if they've become more irritable or verbally testy, you know, don't automatically get angry if they start to, to start to act adversely or act irrationally. Just honestly, again, communication. Point out what they're doing. Say, hey, you're saying this or you're doing this and I don't like it and I can't be in this environment. I'm going to go home now and get up and go home. You know, take care of yourself. Don't force yourself to be in an environment that doesn't work for you because, again, you're treating this person like they can fall apart at any second. So you need to now sacrifice yourself. Um, And if they need time to heal, and honestly, everything that they're doing to heal just doesn't work with you. They're not doing meth. They're not murdering anyone. They're not hurting themselves. They're not hurting children. So it's nothing you can call the authorities for or get them help with. They're just changing their life. Maybe you're in Bible study and you're in a stark, you know, a stark kind of Bible study where you're like, I don't, I can't, I can't go clubbing, but you know, we can go rock climbing. And then they're like, no, I don't like rock climbing anymore. I want to go to clubs and dance the night away and quit my job. And I don't want to go to church anymore. And mama, and you look at them and you say, you know, I, I still like you as a friend, but none of the qualities that you have right now are working for me. I'm going to step back. Don't feel bad about doing that. If honestly, nothing about the situation is working for you, but also give them a chance. If you know, a couple months later, a couple years later, they come back and they're like, you know, that was the best therapy I've had for the, ne- the last three years, sleeping around and clubbing and, I don't know, doing whatever I'm doing and not rock climbing anymore. Now I shoot guns. Now I throw axes. I made my own Bible. But now I'm ready to come back into the group. Let them come back. See what they have to offer. They'll have new stories. They'll have, have a new pr- perspective. So don't feel bad about taking yourself out of a situation that doesn't work for you if you guys are honestly so different with the way that they're coping. It's unfortunate if that different in, difference in that divide lasts until the end of time and you guys don't reconnect. But also if you guys do reconnect and you know maybe you become more attuned to what they're now into or they come back to what you guys were originally into, you know, invite them in, hear what they have to say, let them hang out. They might have some cool stories. You have some new things to bond over. Um, but you know, take that time if you need that time. And sometimes it's better to realize that something's not productive and to point it out and say, Hey, we're not getting anywhere. You do what you need to do. I'm going to do what I need to do. And we can just part ways. And then you guys run into each other a couple years later and you guys are friends again. Then to try and force something that's just not going to work at that time and place to the point where you both hate each other now 
and you just you can never salvage what you what you once had that's not something that you want to happen even if you guys never talk again but you're on neutral terms that's better than hating each other or having bad will until the end of time and that's pretty much it that's my i thought this would be like a half hour and it's been an hour and 11 minutes and that is my thoughts and opinions on how to help someone that's my water bottle sorry on how to help someone who comes to you who has gone through sexual assault but a lot of these things can be applicable to any kind of assault any kind of violation any kind of grieving period even if someone died or you know you guys broke up you know or not you guys broke up but like your friend comes to you and they, or someone comes to you and they broke up with someone like don't tell them like this is what you need to do get over your act like no like any sort of situation where someone's on hard times and fortunate times, a lot of these things are applicable, not just to sexual assault. But um, let me know. Tweet at me, at personally borderline. Um, I lied, at purse borderline, because I didn't have enough space to do personally. So tweet at me, at purse borderline. Comment on my Instagram posts, at purse borderline. Um, I have a blog now, medium.com, forward slash backslash. I don't know the ones that everyone does at purse borderline um you can also find me on blog lovin personally borderline um the tumblr the website with all my links personally borderline.tumblr.com if you don't like tumblr and you want to get off that blog as quick as possible once you get on it just click podcast in places and scroll down off of podcast in places and you'll see an active updated list of all of the places that you can find me not that's not tumblr around the internet and you can click around and follow me there so twitter instagram tumblr medium anchor of course find me on anchor personally borderline actually on anchor and purse be mental health but same thing um you can listen to me and my podcast wherever podcasts are found um personally borderline does have a pinterest but i don't use it that much um and i think that's pretty much it as of now and today's question slash comment is i had it in my head and i just completely blanked today's question slash comment is what is your best advice for helping someone Either your best advice to someone who's been sexually assaulted or your best advice to someone who is helping someone through whatever they're going through post-sexual assault. And again, these suggestions can be for all sorts of assault or grieving events or unfortunate events. It can be universal, although it's a specific, you know, focus on sexual assault. But any advice you have, any sort of perspective that you have is really, really important and really, really helpful. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it, especially for listening this long, because I didn't even think this would be this long. There should, this is probably coming out on a Wednesday because I want to make a good and nice blog post to go with it on my Medium blog, so you guys can check that out. Um, so check out that blog post once it comes out, whenever it comes out. Um, and as always, I'll be here for you until the next podcast. <laughs>